0: you remember how you got your first step in the door, you don't make a mess. Bill was very close with Eric. And his very normal human reaction was a feeling of betrayal. And he distanced himself from those of us that were closest to him. You could feel a certain type of energy in that building, a certain type of anger a certain type of vengeance.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome in. It's Jones and Meggo, minus Jones and Mego, the way everybody really wants it, let's be honest here, right, <laughs> Ryan? Uh, Arkan here in the big chair. We got Andy Hart alongside. Nice to have you with us here this afternoon on this uh, Getaway Friday for me. Uh, what you just heard there was, I believe, from episode three or the beginning of episode four of The Dynasty. Uh, which two more episodes came out yesterday? uh Last night I watched one. Last night and then one this morning. Saw a uh, strapping young Andy Hart out there in the scrum or out yeah. there in the uh in the um, front row. Front row, yeah, right. You sitting were sitting next out to Curran, there. Curran, Perillo, uh, baby face Curran, uh, Perillo still looked old. And oh, wow, uh, <laughs> shot across the bow. You're not wrong. Shot across the bow. <laughs> and uh Gasper really was the most uh, striking. The young Gasper. I don't know. I mean, I I guess like. He just he looked he looked very different. He well, looked both of us had I'd the say.
2: same reaction in a different way. Yeah, and a reaction I would have never thought I would have had about Chris Gasper. What's you that? said he looked
1: like what? I said he looked like uh, Chris Evans before he went into the Captain America machine. Yeah. <laughs> and got all ripped. That's what he. That's what he looked like. I likened <laughs> it to Barry Bonds because the Chris Gasper <laughs> I
2: know now has a bigger head. So I think we both believe Chris Gasper took PEDs. Yes, uh, absolutely, <clears throat> and grew. Or something happened there. Something sure. happened,
1: and it's not like he's like ripped now. But
2: no, I no, he just looks guy. bigger. Yeah. He was like a, <laughs> it was it was very weird. But uh, before we get going, I wanted to let you know. See, I don't know. You didn't catch my theme of my wardrobe today. Let's see. Crab- okay. I was inspired by the KSB. The, yeah, forget hat. Not forget the hat. Yep. This and mm-hmm. then underneath. I Oh have, wow! This is the shirt I wore. On the sideline as a PR rep for the Patriots wow. in the 2001 season. That is, uh, it's a that classic. is something. It's an Adidas. It still fits. It's still. It's actually a little big now, thanks to <laughs> Awaken 180, our <laughs> friends over there.
3: Yeah, very nice. Well all right, so we Same got carry you for life over there. We got right Company Man
1: Andy Hart all uh, dressed up in his uh, best Pat Patriot uh, uh, I'm a not title sure I'm the right Company now. Man, though. Flying based Elvis on over here. Some <laughs> of my reactions to this uh,
2: documentary and the way it's unfolding, but I did enjoy it. I, I, like first step.
1: Are you enjoying the first four? absolutely. i'm okay. I'm enjoying them a lot. Uh, the uh, the first two episodes I thought really um, did a good job of of capturing what the early days were like and sort of the uh, the run up to that Super Bowl. I remember it all very well. And uh, I think they did a good job with that here too. I think in the first couple episodes, Going away from Drew Bledsoe and what that all sort of meant, I think, was captured very well. I think they did a very good job with that. Um, the more it's starting to unfold, the more you're sort of seeing the Kraft Dynasty LLC kind of pop out there. That's a little on the disappointing side if I was going to make one critique of it. Uh, but overall, I'm enjoying it a lot. Same. I'm enjoying it, even though I lived it. So, right. But I, my one of my takeaways, and this is in
2: part tied to my buddy Mike Cadlick, his he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of young people in this Patriot nation that... Twinkle in Mr. Cadlick's eye back then, wasn't he? Yeah. I think, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and they are learning, because I think the star of the first two to three episodes, the badass mf'er, is Drew Bledsoe. Mm. In a, in the weirdest way... Teddy Bruschi credits him with the Patriot way. Yeah. You have the the Super Bowl on the line, and he's like, F it. Like, he brought a different swagger to Tom Brady, who's the guy playing that I'm not sure people re- – like, Drew is almost a laughingstock to some people, and I'm like, dude was the best quarterback that ever stepped into Foxborough Stadium or wore a Patriots uniform until you got the damn goat. Yeah. So he was great, and I- I'm enjoying the fact that it's sort of, I think, rekindling the respect that Drew Bledsoe deserves. Yeah,
1: and he does deserve it. I, I agree with that, and I think that, you know, you saw – you saw for a long time him just sort of as the guy that Brady replaced, and that's it. Yeah. And then he went off to Dallas and Buffalo, and he was okay. But you know he didn't the really stiff. do anything. You after remember that. the the, the guy yeah. Pioli talked
2: about like early in his career, Drew was a good to sometimes great quarterback. Pioli mm-hmm. said in I think episode two, and then he got hit a lot, and that's where Ernie Adams started. You know what do you
1: compare him to? A wildebeest under yeah. attack, <laughs> and,
2: and then they cl- they show it, and you are like. Yeah, Ernie was kind of right. He looks like a wildebeest it under attack. look sack. like
0: that,
1: yeah. Um, Very nature documentary uh, feel to that. Too. Drew
2: was great, and Drew, you know, the the idea that Drew probably could have ruined the 2001 season if he just wanted to be a total diva dink. Mm-hmm. And I think more people look at him as a diva, and well, he's such a diva, he chose not to. Right. He sat in the background and allowed Tom Brady to take over. Not happy about it, but allowed him to take over and win. And then we go down the road. Now, Peoli is the one, and we started with that clip. What, what do you think of Pioli in this? I
1: think Pioli very melodramatic. Yeah, that's what that's what sticks out to me the most. Is
2: this the mob or the mafia or is it <laughs> yeah. a football team
1: and a guy that got a job as an intern and worked his way up and then left? I'm expecting his like face to be blacked out and like a voice like, yes! distorter in the background. Like that's how he talked. Those are the sort of things that he said. But that thing Bill about Belichick
3: was never the same after right. that. I
1: really never it. once saw them break a hammer the tapes in the other row, like you know that that's what it, that's the that's the tone of how he speaks. That stuff about the narcotic thing at the end of the episode three, I thought was dynamite. I thought that was really good. But yes, he does have a very sort of dramatic tone to pretty much every contribution he's made to yes, this thing. So and far. I think he's been really good. Yeah, it's compelling. I mean a lot of
2: them have been a lot of these. So we talked to Jeff Benedict um, on the Six Rings Pod. We did like an hour with Jeff, and I thought Jeff was a little. Dramatic when he was telling us how good every interview was. Jeff was like, "This guy was great. Moss was great. Brewski's great." And now that I've watched four episodes, Jeff's right. Basically, everyone that has talked, other than Bill Belichick, has been great. Yeah, Bill sucks. Bills, but tough. I think that's been, been a that good. But I think that's been a a a like almost an artistic tool they're using. They are. I firmly believe that a good docu- documentarian can convince me of anything. Yeah, if they know what they're doing with the music, with the lighting, with the cutaway, with the info, what they include. I'm convinced that, oh, we never went to the moon, or, oh, there were never dinosaurs, or there's a dinosaur living next to me, and he's an alien, too. Like, they can do whatever, and the only one that they've chosen, or just he didn't want to take part, the bill thing is everybody else, gold. One quota: Ty Law, gold. Tom Brady, Gold like everybody's been good Yeah. The, the Bill
3: Parcells debut was and again it's, yeah. it's how they sequence this documentary that I think is really interesting where they have these cutaways and they're talking about Bill Parcells and then there's just this the shot of Bill Parcells it's it's their screen test so to speak and they use it in the documentary in order to introduce them like I was not expecting Bill Parcells to partake in this and I think they did the same thing when they were talking about Randy Moss and Josh McDaniels is saying we got to find a guy that's going to hang 50 and they just show Randy Moss's face it's all artistically it like, tall, it it really like Really, really cool. The camera like yeah.
1: pans over to him. You see the one earring, like the other one. Yeah, like, no, they it, shows up. Yeah. Now Parcells, he went the opposite. All of documentaries, his are kind of doing trunk. that. These yes. Days, yes, he
2: went through one of the head shrinkers because when he first came on, I was like, "Holy crap, that's Parcells." It's not the, and I know he's aging, and you know that's part we'll of the process. All right,
3: Andy,
1: yeah, that's
2: true. But he, uh, see, in his eighties now. Yeah, he's pretty old. Early eighties, I think. Yeah. He's, he's gotta be, right? He's pretty old. And he's um, not going in the Patriot Hall of
1: Fame anytime soon. He looked he looked old in the two bills. You know, I thought Oh I, yeah, I noticed yeah, that. Yeah. I was like, wow, okay. The tune is, well he the tune was kind of old.
2: There, but, yeah. He was old in the yeah. Yeah. Even though he wasn't really <laughs> old, he was an older looking I didn't lead the healthiest of life.
1: He, like, so when Bill Belichick was his age, he looked, he didn't look like that. Right. Well, that's the other thing. When you see
2: the old Bill, you're like, wow,
1: he looked much younger than than I really recall. It ages you here. Uh, The part you just mentioned about Teddy Bruschi talking about Drew Bledsoe, I loved that part. Uh, The whole thing about the Patriot way I thought was great. This is what it sounded like. I mean, Drew could have messed a lot of things up. But as frustrated as Drew was, he still was very supportive to Tom. That meant a lot for me to see. All this stuff Belichick says, like doing your job and putting the team first, Drew was like, living that. I mean, there's a hundred million dollar quarterback doing what's best for the team. And that's what I think the Patriot way started. You know, Brewski's pretty melodramatic himself. You know, oh yeah, that yeah, yeah. About yeah. It. Like, always talks there are, like that. you know, he does. But it's like I was just sort of getting on Pioli about that. Brewski's every bit the you know, every bit the drama queen that a hundred percent, hundred percent. But he's good. He's right about that. And too.
2: I don't know that I've ever because this is one of those great debates. There's so many great debates in Patriot Dynasty over the years. But one of the great debates is like, what is the Patriot way and where mm-hmm. did it start? And some people just it's stupid. Never heard of it. I never said it once. And then Brewski's like, well, the Patriot way. I think all of us tend to say, well, it's Belichick or it's Brady or it's Kraft. With he just basically said it's Drew. Like yeah. the the subjugation of the ego to steal Robert Kraft's phrase from the that time period. And again, I I love that Drew, Drew is getting a little love. Like I don't think I came into this expecting the dynasty. I'm forty percent through the dynasty. Mm-hmm. And Drew feels like one of the stars of it. Yeah. He's been kind, he's kind of a And he's
3: kind of a bit player. <laughs> I know. Um, so right. mean you you to say the Pager Way didn't start when Bill Belichick gave his hotel room to Lawyer Malloy? No. no. That was good, that too. That was very selfless. That was funny. That was very good. I enjoyed that. What is with this team in these bad hotels? <laughs> can, <laughs> they they well, just, that
1: was, can they put their guys up in a decent
2: hotel? <laughs> no, that was a weird <laughs> hotel because it was an older New Orleans hotel, and I actually did the opposite. So I was working for Stacy James at the time. Mm-hmm. We got to the hotel and Stacy had like family. I don't even remember. He had multiple like guests, wife, kids, cousin, uncle. I don't even know who it was. I had just my girlfriend mm-hmm. and I had a huge room and Stacy had a closet. And <laughs> if I remember correctly, we switched. I don't know if I volunteered to switch or Stacy said we're switching, but But the girlfriend liked it. Uh yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, she was at the, she's my wife now by the way. Oh um, good. But uh, j- just in case you say anything. Funny yeah. say she's still my girlfriend. Congrats. Um <laughs> Well, no, yeah, there was, but uh, I mean, ooh, she was at the Super Bowl. She was dating me, and she's going to the Super Bowl. Like, I don't pretty think good. she could complain about literally anything. Mm-hmm. Shut up and enjoy it.
1: <laughs> um, yes, that was uh, yeah the hotel thing. I, I enjoyed Lawyer Malloy being like, oh, man, like he told you about that. That was pretty funny, and that was one of the only times that Belichick I thought seemed like a human in the entire thing, and in anything he was describing the whole time. Well, and that's, you know like joshing around with the players, like he didn't. Yep. You don't see much of that,
2: and that's the one thing is maybe I'm a sucker for this. Like you said, dramatic. But I think pretty much everybody, I feel like, is being relatively genuine, honest, mm. other than Bill. Bill clearly didn't want to take part, clearly didn't say anything. He's press conference Bill. I think I've said that. I think that's, Stacy, can you get them the release? I think we've gone over that, that kind of thing. But everybody else, they seem to be enjoying it. Now, a lot of these guys are older, like that's distant memories. But even the, the Vrabel thing, when Willie was like, "I think you're breaking Brady. I think that would yeah, have been episode You're going too two. far here. And he's like, "He'll be fine." Or he's By the okay. Way, Willie McGinnis
1: saying that is pretty funny. Oh yeah, Willie, Willie McGinnis, McGinnis the guy who bashes guys over the head and the and restaurant. was the most feared guy in that locker room. <laughs> he's like easy, like, "Easy, Mike, easy." Because you
2: think of where Willie had ties to, where he'd come from. People legitimately right. were fearful of Willie, and Willie's telling Mike Vrabel to maybe ease off the quarterback before you break him. That that was good.
1: Yeah, even for uh, even for us, this was a lot. Uh, here was the part where Scott Pioli talked about how uh, the game is like a narcotic. This was the end of episode 3, and it dovetailed nicely into the beginning of uh, episode 4, which was all about Spygate. This is how they framed it.
0: It's difficult to explain to people sometimes, but this game is like a narcotic. When you have success, every time you get a little bit, you want a little bit more. The highest highs that you feel each time that you win you're chasing that forever. There was this group of us that, that, that became addicts together. And we were actually enabling one another. Some of us know it, some of us don't, some don't care. As time goes by, your relationship with the drug, it, it changes. After winning, instead of euphoria, it's just a relief. And when you lost, it was, it was dark. You would do anything and everything to stop the fear of losing anything.
2: You know, the first thing I thought of with that, have you seen, we're talking about documentaries in various points today. Did you see Beyond the Mat, I believe it was called? The oh wrestling yeah, one I've seen it. Jake the Snake? Not, not
3: for a long time, but yeah. I know I'm aware of it, but I didn't see it.
2: The first thing I thought of in that documentary, Jake the Snake talks about road life and sex and how like, there's a groupie you have sex and then like, yeah, that's not really interesting, and now you need two groupies, yep. and now you need this, and, like, the escalation of what you need it's, to sort of get off.
3: the mindset of an addict. If one is good, then 100 must be amazing. Right. And it's the
2: same thing, whether it's sex or winning football or drugs or gambling, it's that addiction to the juice, to the to that feeling. And it's so true, right? Like you're you, And the players always talk about that. They yeah. didn't love winning as much as hated losing. So now you're racking up the wins, but it's like, now it's just business. And I firmly believe that's why they lost in the desert had nothing to do with the Giants. Really? I think they looked at it as a business trip. I think there was an expectation. I've always said this. and They I'll, didn't think they could lose. No, they, they just expected to. Instead of yeah. going in like, this is the biggest game of our careers and it's a coronation and we're the baddest. It was like a business trip. We're just going to show up and do what we've done 18 straight times. And I always tell the story, and people in Patriots Land are probably sick of me telling the stupid story. On the plane ride out, we watched...
0: I like stories.
2: <laughs> Miracle and Rocky Four. Two of the biggest upset f- stories that you'll ever see on the planet, and I was like, "Why are we watching? This? Like, yeah, we are the Russians in these movies. <laughs> Why are we setting the tone of upset? You're Goliath. City? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, let's let's put that in there too. David versus Goliath. Let's see if we can find a few more. Let's. We're gonna read a Bible passage. You're We've chosen. You're David the windshield.
3: The giants are right? the fly.
2: And to me, that planted some weird seed. That I still believe mattered. It's stupid. I know the
1: movie you watched on the plane flying to the game Pretty shouldn't bad. matter. Shouldn't. But I believe it did. Prove otherwise. I'm trying to think of like sports movies where the underdog doesn't win. I guess Rocky won. Um, there's not that many other ones. The underdog usually wins in the sports movies. So I don't yeah. know. Like so what don't they watch, just watch one of those. Rocky won over and over again. Or don't watch a <laughs> sports movie. Yeah, I
2: suppose. I don't know. <laughs> watch something. The, else. I mean, the, the the watch the Natural. He's great. Like That's he goes true. through tries it like. Watch something where the guy who's supposed to be great is great. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's okay. Yeah. Maybe it's a boring movie. Well, that's a different subject if you got to have the underdog win to have a good sports movie. But don't watch upset stories when you're on your way to
1: hopefully not be upset. That is a, a good point. Our big Q at two today, which we are now just getting to, is who is the biggest threat to the Patriots outside of the organization? The choices are Roger Goodell, Eric Mangini, Bernie Pollard, and the New York Giants. I voted the Giants, but Roger Goodell is up uh, almost 50%, over 50% of the vote. We'll get Andy Hart's thoughts on that as well. But right now, here's Ryan Garvin to tell you what's trending.
0: This is Jones and Mego on WEI. On WEI. We finally got some success, but I felt like Kraft wasn't always in line with the things that I knew to be in the best interest of building a team. Kraft had no real background in football, and in his inexperience, took the draft away from me, and he gave it to somebody else. I felt like some people that were incompetent, we're making decisions for the organization personnel-wise, and I didn't like it. And I knew I wasn't going back to the Patriots.
1: Big Tuna. That's Bill Parcells in the uh, third episode, I believe, of the Dynasty. I watched one last night and one this morning, and I'm mixing up which uh, one was in which episode. But that was definitely number three. Uh, it's Christian Arkin, Andy Hart in for Jones and Mego today. Uh, I wanted to sort of use that as a jumping off point about the Patriots' current power structure and the crafts' evolving role over time. I mean, that was 30 years ago almost uh, when Parcells was having those type of issues with the crafts and the people that they were installing. There was the famous quote about the groceries that we all remember. Yep. Um, Here we are in 2024. The entire structure of the uh, organization has been sort of torn down and built back up. In some cases, there's a lot of holdovers. Bill Belichick's obviously gone, so there's a new uh, there's a new tip of the spear, I guess we can say. Um, what are your impressions, I guess, Andy, on the uh, power structure then, as opposed to what it is today, as we see the formation of this coaching staff? Well, I would I would
2: rewind even further because I think it is an interesting thematic thread or whatever throughout this whole thing when Robert buys the team and Drew and everybody's like, ooh. This is a guy's gonna spend some money. He's invested, he's around. Right. This isn't just a billionaire who doesn't care. He's a fan. He wants to invest his time and his energy into winning.
1: Parcel said that too.
2: Yeah, and yeah. then you get to the point where, ah, now you've invested too much time and you're meddlesome and you're driving a Hall of Fame caliber coach away. So it dipped again. And then he gives total control to Bill Belichick at some point. If you use Robert's words, it was basically after the third Super Bowl that Bill mm-hmm. took the full control. But now we're back to the excitement that Robert Kraft represents, an owner who might want to get back to winning and saving face and improving his own um, aura around the team. So I think we've come full circle, and the guy that's supposed to you know, bring ownership, legitimacy in 1993 might be the guy that we're expecting to go out and spend, I don't know, after today's numbers. 90 to 100 million dollars of cap space this offseason.
1: Yeah, you just heard Ryan Garvin tell you that in trending, but there has been a uh, increase now in uh, in the salary cap, a significant increase for uh, all the teams out there, which, by the way, I don't love for the Patriots. I don't think that's a great thing for just the Patriots. It ri- just uh, drives the prices up. It does. And it also incentivizes these other teams to keep their own players and keep mm-hmm. their own wide receivers and just resign them. And, you know, we'll see if the Patriots want to go way up and above and blow these teams out of the water with offers for Mike Evans or Michael Pittman or Calvin Ridley or any of the guys who are out there. But it's going to be hard to do that now that these teams all have another $30 million to play with. Well, I mean, the cap
2: was going to go up. We knew post-COVID there were these, like, owed things and i don't even get all the numbers of it but it was going to go and then we knew that the massive new tv deals there was going to be a massive jump right but an extra five million dollars that's a decent amount of money for everybody to work with and every agent's like well price just went up five million on everything i asked <laughs> right. for plus five uh i'm not as negative as you i think you you it's a little too much jones carryover and you hey. suddenly it's a bad thing that they have money to spend no no, they it's a bad thing. The other teams all have Doesn't
1: money. Doesn't matter. To spend. They have
2: more money than almost everybody not named Washington. And when they get done with JC Jackson and all those things, they might end up
1: with the most money. They got $100 million, and I am not going to turn that into a negative, my friend. Fine, but they also have more work to do than most teams out there to rebuild their offense, would you, would you say? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, they're going to have to spend all that money. you yeah, you
2: got $100 million in good draft picks. Do it right, and you'll be okay in a couple that's years. That's true, and
1: I agree. And Do I it think wrong, and you'll be fired in a couple years. You're also going to have to spend more because the Patriots are not a situation that any free agents looking at and saying, you know, this is a this is a spot I'd like to be. I don't, I want to go to New England yeah. and, and play with what quarterback, with what uh, offensive line. There's, everything has to be rebuilt. I don't think it's a very attractive place. It wasn't an attractive place for offensive coordinators, and I don't think it will be for offensive players unless you spend way more than everybody else. And I also think, and this is another thing, and maybe I am being too influenced by Jones lately, but you're keeping Parker and Schuster on the roster? Because if you cut them, that's going to be the cost of another wide receiver, right? I mean, like, so, you know, like, it's going to cost a, a decent amount just to get rid of those guys. I would probably keep one of them. And, like, in my little world,
2: you probably have free agent signing, Demario Douglas. Third round draft pick, Kendrick Bourne, whoever's left whoever you think has got more left in the tank of those two. Well pick one. Uh Parker heard- or Juju. I'd probably go Juju. Yeah. I don't know. Do I want bone on bone versus <laughs> gross whatever the <laughs> hell? <laughs>
3: They I, both stink. Neither no are great. I think I'd lean more towards Devontae Parker just because he's a bigger target, you know, for your hopeful rookie quarterback to go and, and find and work with.
2: Yeah, but the most overrated thing we've seen in the last few years is oh, It's not a 50-50. It's an 80-20 when I'm involved. Yeah, 80-20 for the other team. <laughs>
3: 20. I just can you pull a safety away from the middle of the field so a better receiver can get open and doesn't get hospital balled going across the middle. That's what I want. I don't think you're going to get anything out of Juju at this point. Well, he's, you're playing the he worst. He was a landmine going into this season you're playing the worst defense that's
2: ever been on the planet if the safety's like oh there's a dangerous receiver and there's Devontae parker and i'm looking at Devontae parker i gotta have hope
3: at some point if you're telling me i gotta pay one of these guys i'm gonna go pay Devontae parker if i can only have one if i can get rid of the other with no issues
1: okay well we're getting off topic here and the topic is what i do uh the uh the the crafts meddling the crafts getting involved a Um, shot at bobby greer too right uh, yeah, Just a flat out so. shot.
2: There were people making decisions who weren't really qualified. I don't didn't think that was a doing, craft right? thing. And then the other aspect of that is doesn't this go back to Terry Glenn? Who Glenn was, was a problem, yeah. Who, but no, like they were, they he were, didn't want Glenn. Right. He wanted this is where I need my Paul Perillo, the old guy you made fun of in segment one. <laughs> he would know this. Uh, who's the D he wanted a D D lineman
3: instead of Terry I Glenn? I was 10 years old while this was happening, man. You're looking you at have the wrong Google. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll Google
2: But, yes, it was a uh, – and then Terry Glenn was good. Yes. Terry Glenn came right out of the gates and caught, whatever, 96 passes. See, that part I remember.
1: Parcells said he wanted Marvin
3: Harrison instead of Terry Glenn. I don't think that's true. I thought he wanted a D-lineman instead Tony of Tony Brackens. Oh, not Tony Brackens. Parcells was... wanted to draft defensive end Tony Brackens with their first-round pick. But it was vetoed by Kraft. Oh. They ultimately selected Ohio State wide receiver Terry Glenn. Oh, okay, maybe. I thought it was a better name. So it's an even better um, <laughs> point, though. <laughs> the player, or you just don't like the name Tony Brackens? It makes me think of Bracken's is kind of cool name. Tony Braxton, who was Curtis Martin's
2: girlfriend, yes, and he went to the Jets with Parcells. So this whole thing is now degrees. This is how my brain works, and it's not well for organized radio. But yes, he he he. Parcells wanted to make a mistake. Tony Bracken's would have been a mistake. Terry Glenn was a good
3: player for them right out the gates. Again, I take your word for it. I don't have the working knowledge that you old guys have watching this team happen. That is hurtful. And Terry Glenn there, there's like, wisdom. 96 there's, passes. There's some wisdom, I think, somewhere in there. I don't know if it's wisdom as
1: much
2: as random information.
1: Yeah, something like that. Um, Tony Brackens, whoever it was, I mean, that was uh, that was a thing that happened back then. And they overruled it. And for 20 years, I don't think that there was a lot of overruling that was getting done in the Belichick era. I think maybe Gronkowski and Brady, and that's about it, right? You know, they wanted yeah. to trade Gronkowski, and he said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to trade him to Detroit. And, uh, well, Gronk, I think they, no, Gronk blew that up. Gronk going to retire. Get involved?
2: No, my understanding is Gronk said, I'll retire, and you can't trade a retired player.
1: <laughs> okay, well, then maybe I uh, dug misunderstood that then. Yeah. But, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, problems with Brady and Belichick towards the end as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Kraft did get involved, but ultimately ended up siding with Bill. Either way... Um, with the power structure being what it is right now mm. with uh, Robin Glazer, uh, hammer time, walking down the hallway there uh, being the light liaison from not the team to the league anymore, but it seems more like the team to the coaching staff or the uh, front office to the coaching staff. Um, what sort of role are the crafts, if any, going to have in this third overall pick? Uh, I think
2: uh, advisory. I don't think they're meddling. I, I know people want, and you guys probably want to talk it up because it's good two to six radio. If Jonathan Kraft is a talking point and he's meddling and, and those things, I think it's Elliot Wolf and you don't Gerard think that's Mayer.
1: a talking point if that happens. If it happens, right?
2: I don't think it's happening. You just asked me what I think. The okay, power fine. Structure but you're acting like I that's think not it's even Eli- worth discussing. Well, I don't think it is until we have any idea that it's actually happening. Okay. I think right now Elliot Wolf and Gerard May are being allowed to do their thing. Now that may be a disaster, and I think Elliot Wolf has final say on the the. Personnel decisions. Like I know we want to have intrigue in this guy and Jonathan's gonna be picking number three overall or Robin Glazer is gonna be signing a free agent. I think Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo are running the football operation at Gillette Stadium.
1: Well, I know Gerard Mayo is because they named him the head coach. What's Elliot Wolf exactly? Uh I don't know. Okay, so, you know, if, if the they head of the personnel department. Okay, but if they're giving him that much autonomy and it's completely hands-off, don't you think they'd at least call him the general manager? Like, Isn't uh, that something you do in that case? No, like, I think
2: they actually can't because then there would be Rooney Rule violations.
1: All right, well, then they could have done it that way and gone they through would the have had to have sham some... interview processes and just hired him anyway, which is what every right. other team does. And and there may also be a uh, interim uh, aspect to this
2: because I do think it's interesting that he usurped Matt Gro. Matt Groh has been the highest-ranking personnel guy the last couple years as the – I think he was the director of player personnel. Mm-hmm. And now clearly he is second fiddle to Elliot Wolf, which I also find weird. I think that's hard to do. I think it's hard to – like, if you were the host of this show and then all of a sudden Adam Jones takes over, like, you could probably be pissy. Probably, Right? Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah, this than chair, usual. He definitely yeah, – know, oh, not anymore true. than I usually am. But – or vice versa. Like, if this were the new thing and next time I come in here – He's behind that screen over there, Adam Jones. Wouldn't mm-hmm. he be pissy? Probably. Is that a good working environment? For me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for you, you're Elliot Wolf. You just yeah, got a promotion. great to suffer. You're making the decisions, but Matt Groh, Adam Jones, is, behind the class. is pissing and moaning and doing all kinds of things behind if the you glass. you love football,
3: this is the place to be. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's true. Remember when he said he was spending the money? I've only spent the money around here for the last couple of years, so don't <laughs> criticize me. Well, you're not spending the money anymore, it doesn't seem like. Guys you're just...
3: who love football know that this is a place for guys who love football.
2: You got the uh, you-want-fast-players-draft-Tyquan Thornton cut? Oh, yeah. Because that, that didn't go well. No,
1: no, it did oh, not. he's getting jacked, though. You've you been checking out social media? I saw Kendrick Bourne was, yeah. uh, was commenting on it. He's uh, getting the XXL. <laughs> you want to get faster? Bourne. Just like if you want to get tougher, you better get tough guys. Okay. If you want to get faster, you better get fast guys.
2: What's more laughable, that or collaborative And the uh, we teach from a position of love? The
3: collaborative is going to be the most overused word in the Patriots offseason. We've already heard it 30 times going into the introductory it. press conferences for the coaching staff. Hate it. Because just- then it's like, well... It's like, how do I hold anybody accountable? How how can I, as a fan, go, who am I mad at? Who can I credit? Who is responsible for the shape of this team now that that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the Patriots dynasty is officially over? Who am I looking at who is making decisions? And it's the exact opposite of what we've lived forever, where, fair or not, you
2: praised or criticized Bill. In the end, even he said it. Remember, in the end, it, it falls on yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Whatever that quote, whatever was. it is, blame me. And and now it's the opposite. Almost whatever happens, we're not real sure.
3: Should we praise Jonathan or should we praise Robin? Should we praise Robert? Well, or? that that's what what I think Arcand is getting it at is. as far that's as like the, where where Robin Glazer kind of fits into this whole thing as far as having like like a liaison to ownership. Like she might not be making decisions, but you know she's reporting. All the details that are going on in these meetings, right back to Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft, and therefore in the hiring process for the offensive coordinator, I, I she think was in that meetings. is super bizarre. That the person who's just negotiating contract, it would be like having a payroll person in when you guys are negotiating a new contract. Well, like, why are they here? Are they they're just here to do money talk? Can't we do this after the fact? Like, I think it's a little more than it's made out to be, and I think it's because Robert and Jonathan do want to get their franchise back. And if that's the case, then then something, you blame them. Exactly, yeah. it, Archon. Something starts to get pointed you, back at the craft. Right. In
2: the and, end, I believe that you can blame them because, but they may not necessarily be meddling. Right. Right. But you it's, blame it's them their for organization. That for the choices that they made. Right. You yeah. believed in Gerard Mayo because you went to Israel with him five years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, if that blows up, that that all trails back to you. Yeah. It's kind of like Brady. Oh, Belichick got rid of him. No, 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 no. Robert Kraft made a decision to allow Bill to make the decision. So, right. therefore, it goes back to Robert Kraft. Yes,
1: and he's been very fraudulent about that so far uh, in all of his talks about it. Uh, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Our big Q at 2, which we're uh, getting to now at 2.30, is who is the biggest threat to the Patriots outside the organization? Roger Goodell, Eric Mangini, Bernard Pollard, or the New York football giants? What say you, Andy Hart? I
2: certainly don't say uh, the response that I kept getting on my Twitter feed from the trolls and those types. Mm -hmm. The media, you forgot to put the media, the answer's not even an option. Uh, Bill would probably believe it's the media too. Um, Yeah, I can confirm that. (laughs) So
1: how did the media threaten the Page. You know, like yeah. maybe you could say the Tomasi article, but like they did retract it and they did apologize. Like, what was the threat really that we posed? Is what I was, I'm wondering. Yeah. I remember during uh, Deflategate in particular, the media rallying around that team for the most part. Yes. I, that's, that's how I recall that. And the same thing with Spygate. So I think I mean, it's had a friend, very friendly media for the bulk of twenty. 20- Five years. Yeah, you know, very, for the most very. part. There was uh,
2: people on the radio. You yeah, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> ever, ever hear of Jerry Thornton? You ever hear of Fitzy? You ever hear of Pete Shepard? guys that are up,
1: right. up <laughs> on
2: walls, like. Everything has been positive. It's basically been freaking show ponies and butterflies yeah. for 25 And years.
1: listen, the end was ugly,
2: and uh, we we covered it and uh, talked about it for the ugly thing that it was, but we didn't make it ugly. It was like I was going to say, the end wasn't ugly because of us. The right. end was ugly because of the scoreboard and the performances on the field and a first-round broken quarterback and dumbass coaching decisions and everything that went into it. So it wasn't the media. Who was it? Uh, of the options you gave me, I go with the New York Giants. Okay. what's If it was uh, E other, then what would that well, be? I put the Giants by extension, and I told you this, this was an epiphany I had while watching episode four, Mm -hmm. that the beginning of the end was the 2007 season when Spygate created an atmosphere in which Teddy Bruschi and Tom Brady and all the players rallied around Bill Belichick. He's an a-hole, but he's our a-hole. He's our coach, and you can't say crap about him. We're going to whoop you. We're going to score 40 and 50 points a game. You're going to run up the score. And then when Tom Brady was in the same position... Bill Belichick said, yeah, I don't know. Ask Tom about his balls. I'm no Mona Lisa Vito. I mean, uh, (laughs) I just work here. Don't ask me. Don't shoot the messenger. Uh, I think that whole dynamic, full support of Bill Belichick when he was in a time of need and then failure to fully support Tom Brady. In fact, Bill had his replacement ready. In fact, I get four games with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if you people know. I kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. This is a test to see how good Jimmy Garoppolo can be. No, doubt. <laughs> so I think the Giants' loss and that season was in a weird way. Bill and Tom may not have even known it at the time, the beginning
1: of the end, yeah. um, I said the Giants, too, and I just uh, you know, for those two for those two Super Bowl appearances. And there's what struck me is how after oh seven, that's generally when a dynasty ends. That's when it's like, okay, it's never happening again. You guys are dying. You had your moment, and now you're just sort of, you know, you had this big embarrassing loss. You're probably not getting back there again. And they did, and they lost to the Giants again. And sandwiched in between there was that awful uh, playoff game against Ray Rice and the Ravens and uh, the other awful game against the Jets where they lost uh, to uh, Rex and Mark Sanchez. So, like... You know, it had been a it had been a rough stretch there. Yeah. You know, it had been a rough stretch of time and some really ugly losses in the postseason. And then you get back, and the Giants beat you again. And it was like Mario Manningham this time who was, who was ripping your heart out and Wes Welker dropping the ball. Yep. And, you know, sort of all these things kind of playing over and over. And at that point, it was like, okay, this is what the Patriots are now. Now they're this team that is, you know, it's like the Cowboys are now. They get there, but they can't win anymore. You know, that's sort of what they became. And then they still somehow came out of that and had another dynasty. and it like, is that's unbelievable.
2: it is it, it is very strange because you think of let's put the shoe on the other foot, some of the things we've seen from a Patriots perspective, they kind of ended the Seahawks, right? Yeah. They ended that you know the goal line play and then the Legion of Boom versus Wilson and Carroll, that whole world. they yeah. they broke them. They clearly broke the Atlanta Falcons, yeah, twenty eight to three. This was an opportunity for the Patriots to break but it was a delayed break. Like, it took a long time before I think this really factored in. If anything, you're right, they had a second dynasty. They were kind of still scuffling around the Super Bowl, but Mm -hmm. it was a different vibe. You have all these players, these Wes Welkers, these Randy Mosses, these Logan Mankins, who are part of this weird era that, wait, they don't have a ring? Yeah. How come they don't have a ring? Didn't win anything. Well, because they didn't win the Super Bowl. That's why they don't have a ring. That's why. It was a strange era. And then you just look at the pure numbers. If you take two Super Bowls from Eli Manning, you remove a Hall of Famer, correct? Yep. No shot in hell of getting in the Hall of Fame. No way. Roger that. <laughs> and you add two more to Tom Brady. What are, what's that now? Seven plus two is nine? Yep. Bill Belichick now has eight? Yep. Although he'd say For, ten. Officially eight. Yeah, yeah, he'd really. say ten. He, ten. Ten rings, ten rings my ass. on the boat. Yeah. No, yeah. we don't count that. We <laughs> need a bigger boat. <laughs> Not the head coach. So. Just the history that changed, and you don't have these. Did you guys see the Pro Bowl when Eli was rapping about Brady or whatever? And I beat his I ass did. twice or whatever the end yeah. line of the rap was. It's like eight mile. Yeah. yeah. Well, not exactly. It was a little less uh less good. Not as hard. Yeah, it wasn't as yeah. good. Um, but no, that was that was such an interesting story and game and and Brewski putting it into perspective and all those guys. It just that was history. That was and so I have always we've always had great debates over at Patriots.com of this, and I asked you, Ryan Garvin. Yes, sir. Would you give up the rest of Tom Brady's career as a Patriots fan? He gets into a car accident in March of 2008. Never plays
3: again for the undefeated season. Uh, see, you didn't like what I was willing to give up instead of Tom. Yeah, Brady's we're not career. doing your stupid. I'll give you Celtics and every. Ruined. I would give up every no. Celtics championship Patriots. that they have ever won in order nope. for that perfect season. You gotta um, give up Tom freaking Brady. <sighs> I'm going to say no, despite how sick I felt reliving that 2007 Super Bowl last night, and, and the, the two and a half minute pass the, the, to David Tyree, and losing my mind all over again at Rodney Harrison and Ellis Hobbs not being able to catch Plexico Burrs in, in in the end zone. All of those things, and I still don't think I would give up what Tom Brady has meant in the back half of of this. Patriots dynasty, and I thought they did a really neat thing at the end of episode four where it felt like everything was just as bad as it could be. And we haven't even got to, you know, Brady missing a year, Matt Cass and all that stuff. But they they basically show, it's like, no, 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 things are going to continue, and there's that smirking, hooded Bill Belichick, oh, yeah. and I'm like, oh, that's right. I went from being like, oh, this is awesome, undefeated, the FU tour for Spygate, to oh, I feel sick to my stomach, because they're going to blow this undefeated season, and then I got right back to the baseline of, oh, there's still so much more to come, ending the Seahawks, ending the Falcons, beating the Rams, all those things, I... I could not, in my right mind, give up what Tom Brady was able to do in the back half of his career, proving a lot of people wrong and playing at a high level in his late 30s and 40s for an undefeated season. Every Celtics championship, no, no, oh, we're, you can have it, no, but not, not Tom Brady. That. You can't have Tom Brady. It's a
2: Patriot Nation question only passionate Patriots fans can answer. And I do want to emphasize, in my opinion... They win that game and Brady retires or had a car accident, whatever, whatever goes on. Mm-hmm. The Andrew Luck thing. He's the greatest quarterback of it. all time. He is. He's got four rings. He's never lost in the Super Bowl. He just finished a perfect undefeated season in which he broke the touchdown passing mark. He's no longer riding a defense. Nope. His offense went out and blew doors, was the greatest show on turf, the whole thing. He is the GOAT. He didn't need the rest to become the GOAT. He's the GOAT when they win that game. He might be. Absolutely. Also the greatest team of all time. Some people believe in any sport, yeah, which is funny. I don't understand. So you lose one game, and you went from the greatest of all time to no one talks about you at all.
1: Yeah, What's up for talk show debate. What do you guys think? I'm with Ryan. Uh, I think that the second, I think that the second uh, dynasty was more would was more impressive than that season would have been if he had gone 19 and 0. And I know that's like a sort of weird thing to say, but like. You know, the Dolphins went 14-0 and or whatever with Whirl and Greasy, and, like, you know, that was great and everything, but no one has ever had that long of a stretch with three Super Bowls at the beginning of their career and then right. three at the end. So, no one's ever done that.
2: Can I ask you a quick question? I know we're up against it. Yes.
1: You say that now. If
2: I had asked you that like the devil visited you that day <laughs> before the game, you can win today. Yeah. You'll have the greatest of all time, Brady. But he's or done. like
1: after the game they say you could go right back to after time the and, game and undo that and make it a win instead. Yeah, I punched, right then I punched the hole in my friend's kitchen uh, wall, what an And punched through the because uh, it was drywall, and I punched right through. I fixed it. I fixed it the next day. You're still an a hole. I was the only Patriots <laughs> fan in the play. There was like twenty people there. I was the only Patriots fan. Everyone was rooting against me, just like it said in the documentary. And I, I walked into Arcane the kitchen and, the and I, and I raged punched. So that's the even wall. better. Right after the game, the so devil I absolutely, one hundred percent. I, I would have fixed the hole right then. I would have had the devil fix the hole. I would have gone with the Patriots because you don't season. know that. <laughs> What's coming is coming, right? Right. You just end
2: I would have it and wanted the instant away.
1: gratification right then, no question.
2: The Matt
3: Castle era would have begun if it was up to Christian Arcand. Yeah, yeah, we would have never seen Tom Brady again. That was twenty-five-year-old
1: Arcand. Forty-two-year-old Arcand is uh, is okay with the two dynasties. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. There's your phone number. We'll continue talking about the Patriots. We'll get back in uh, to some uh, current Patriots topics as well as continue to discuss episodes three and four of the Dynasty. But when we come back, uh, we'll get to your phone calls and the Bruins got a pity point in Calgary last night. That's next.
0: A-U-D-A-C-Y Type that into your app search It's so dumb Then download My brain is melting and
2: This is Jones and Mego On
0: W-E-E-I What needed to change And what certainly did change Over the next 40 Urgency and we needed to find our legs I thought, uh you know the perfect example was I. I thought you know uh, Pav. I talked to him. I thought his legs were really heavy in the first period, and I, I you know I moved him off the line. And uh, halfway through the period, he goes, "I found my legs." So it was kind of uh, the feeling the team had. We got better throughout the game. We got a point. I'd like to finish that off in overtime. March on to Pasternak. Weaker stumbles. Pasternak, a save by Markstrom. Two-
1: how it ended last night. Up in Calgary, the Bruins fall to the Flames 3-2. They do get a pity point, however, as it was an overtime loss. That's a Jonesism. I can't even take credit for that. Uh, The pity point thing was was all Jones back at our old job, but it is uh, the case now, and listen, the road point streak is a thing. They have uh, gotten the overtime in a lot of these games, but Andy Hart, they have lost uh, five of their last seven, and I was encouraged by some of the wins. They had wins over uh, Edmonton, wins over Dallas, wins over Vancouver. Three very good West Coast teams. Yep. And a whole bunch of ugly losses, sort of sandwiched in between there. That uh, uh, game against Washington, where they get booed off the ice. That uh, the overtime loss in Tampa. They uh, lost to the Kings. They lost to the Kraken, and uh, last night they lose to the Calgary Flames. Naz Kadri with a goal and an assist. He had three assists in that game. They lost to uh, Calgary back on February sixth. He's a menace out there. And you know, for the Bruins, listen. I know the trade deadline's coming up, and we've been talking a lot about what this team may need and what they may be looking for and uh, looking to try and do, but I also am sort of looking at this team and thinking, man, you know, for as, as strong as they looked early on in the first half and as much as I was sort of uh, on the on the bandwagon there, things have been unraveling lately. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of this team. I mean, that's the
2: first sort of takeaway from the season, but in talking with Keith about this a lot as sort of we've ebbed and flowed with this, who are they, what mm-hmm. did we expect coming in, I feel like they're just finding their their level, and I think they're a decent team. Do I think they should have the best record in hockey? Probably not. I I don't think they probably are that caliber of a team. Are they better than I expected? Absolutely. But we also, and correct me if I'm wrong if you didn't feel this way, I think the, the narrative that people like to talk about was, well, they're not as good, but maybe they'll be a middling playoff team that then has a little bit more bite to it in the postseason. Okay. Like, oh, they'll win a round. Like, get out of the first round. And I absolutely still think they can be that. I absolutely still believe. Keith gave me one of those. Uh, I'm a big fan of either ors or more likely playing that game mm-hmm. where you get two sort of polars and you have to pick one. You can't right. take because the the real answer is in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Are they more likely to get bounced in the first round or go to the
1: Eastern Conference Finals? Bounced in the first round. See, I go the other way. Yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. I'd like to think that. I just you know it's it's hard for me to it's hard for me to get there. I don't know what the what the rest of this. Uh, Stretch is going to look like. I mean, we're we're pretty close to the end. It's not like we're we got fourteen games left. No, twenty something games left. Like there's there's maybe a third of the season to go here. And I feel like since the All Star break, they have been very uneven. They've just they have sure. not they've not been able to sort of get on track. And but you can win
2: a series four three. You can be uneven. You can and, right. You know, and didn't they lose a series last year in Game Seven? Yes. Which we believe they mismanaged a lot of their roster. Correct. So they yes. they misman- mismanaged it and lost. So don't mismanage it. Like, and you can play mediocre. No okay, no problem. No one's go well, get him. I don't think they will mismanage. Just don't it this do what time. you did
1: last year, and you'll be better. Here's a clue: <laughs> just play Swayman. Just that, play Swayman. That's Now, listen, that's a tangible thing, and I think that would make a lot of sense. And, listen, there's been a couple of playoff series here where they should have played Swayman and they didn't. They should have played him all the way back against the Islanders when Tuca's groin was ripped off yeah. his bone. And uh, he was there just right waiting to play, and all the guys said, no, 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 it's got to be Tuca. Last year they should have played him. I mean, this is, this is getting I, ridiculous. Don't them. you think they're going to play him? I would think so. Okay. Yes. So does but that I also, make you feel better about my little either or? It does, but I'm not guaranteed for sure that Swayman's the answer. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'd like to think that, but I don't know for sure that he's going to go out there and be nails in the playoffs. He wasn't exactly nails last year when they put him in for Allmark. Yeah, so that I was mean, weird. It was weird. But I, I just, want him
2: going into that
1: opening series. It's not like he was impressive. You know, it's not like they put him in there and he rose to the occasion. You know, so like but is that, he a good goalie? All. Is yes. he a good young goalie? Allmark's a good goalie. Sometimes. And Olmark was hurt uh, last year at the end of the season. So, I mean, that's a little bit different. And And, that
2: was part of the mismanagement of the roster. And and Bergeron and various issues, they went down that road. So that's why I actually have faith, like, just don't screw it up. Just pick a goalie. I I would prefer you pick Swayman. Mm -hmm. And don't do dumb things down the stretch that may hinder your ability to win an opening series. And then be Kevin Millar and be like, hey, you know what? We won one. Why can't we win two? Like, we're a pretty good hockey team. Did you see the standings? I know everybody didn't have expectations on us, but we were atop the standings. We proved over totality of a lot of games.
1: We're a pretty good hockey team. Yeah, and they're still on top of the standings. Right. They're tied with Vancouver right now. And so, they just I mean, had a good win two yeah. nights ago. But Florida's creeping up on them. The Rangers are creeping up on them. It's not going to be easy from here on out. I don't think it's not supposed to And whatever to be they're easy. doing, whatever they bet, it was easy for the beginning of the year. I mean, they were they were cruising yeah, for most of the year. And last year they cruised the entire regular season. So I mean, how'd that you know, work out for you? I'm just saying, like that's it. Like that was them cruising through the regular season, and they got bounced in the first round. They're having a rougher season this time, and what I'm supposed to expect? They'll be better? Yes, their medal is tested. Okay, they are playoff proven. Let's just hope they don't get the Flames in the finals uh, because they have their number. Um, Actually, I
2: hope they get the Flames in the finals. You, you know why?
1: Nas Kadrick can beat them in seven. Because it, it the the means they're in
2: the freaking finals.
1: <laughs> That's true. It's a good point. Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, the Boston Celtics back in action. Uh, we saw them take down the Chicago Bulls last night. Jason Tatum had a lot to say after the game and really all, uh, all-star weekend. So we'll get into that, some of the Tatum discourse, and uh, the Celtics back in our lives right after this.